This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies ed tech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and it helps you assess student performance through actionable real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of different tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com forward slash B-E. That's IXL.com forward slash B-E. TL Talk Radio Season 4, Episode 9. Welcome to Season 4, Episode 9 of TL Talk Radio, a podcast with Lynn Funihatton and Randy Zickenfoos, where our goal is to engage you in learning, motivate you to share your work, and inspire you to lead for the change we need in schools for the digital age. I'm Randy Zickenfoos. And I'm Lynn Funihatton. Good afternoon, Randy. Hey there, Lynn. <laughs> Who are we chatting with today? So today we're talking with Dr. Anthony Magana, or Sonny as he prefers to be called, a strong advocate for transcending the status quo. Sonny's an award-winning educator best-selling author, and pioneering educational technology researcher. He's highly sought after, leadership consultant and instructional coach with more than 30 years experience helping educational systems around the world realize the power of transcendent learning. The author of numerous research studies and articles, Sonny's newest book, Disruptive Classroom Technologies, a Framework for Innovation in Education, was recently published through Corwin Press. Sonny founded and served as principal of Washington State's first cyber school in 1996, a groundbreaking blended learning program that continues to meet the needs of at-risk students in Washington. He's a recipient of the prestigious Milken Family Foundation National Educator Award and the Governor's Commendation for Educational Excellence. An avid musician, yoga practitioner, and beekeeper, Sonny holds a Bachelor of Science degree from Stockton University, a Master of Education degree from City University, where he was honored with a Presidential Award for Meritorious Scholarship, and an Educational Administration Endorsement and a Doctorate in Ed Leadership from Seattle University. Welcome to the podcast, Sonny. Thank you very much, Randy and Lynn. Thanks for having me. Pleasure to be on the, the on the podcast. We're really looking forward to the conversation. Before we actually started recording, we had some uh, really good exchanges with Sonny about uh, the purpose behind what he's trying to do with this book. And uh, I noticed early on in the preface, Sonny, that you indicated, you wrote that you hoped that this work would positively disrupt the current narrative about technology use. And we're very intrigued by that. So tell us a little bit about the history and driving purpose behind uh, your latest book on disrupting technology and how it does elevate the current technology narrative. Yeah, great. Thanks very much for that, Randy. Uh, I, as I mentioned you know, before the show, I started studying educational technology's impact on student learning back in 1984 is when I first started. I was a grad student at Rutgers University, and uh, the technology that we were using was an Apple IIe computer yeah. uh, with middle school students from Camden, New Jersey. And the technology software that we're using was called the Oregon Trail. Oh, remember I that? remember the Oregon Trail. <laughs> I fondly remember that. So there I am. I'm 24 years old. I'm a graduate student I'm getting my teaching degree. I already had a degree in biology, but I, I 
just fell in love with teaching. And I started uh, my first research project on measuring the impact of this technology on student engagement and achievement. The trouble with the achievement part is that we really didn't have a measure for uh, the learning that was taking place in terms of a curriculum context. They were just playing the game. And so like most early technology research, it was a follow, followed a kind of a, let's add the technology and see what happens approach. So we did, we added the technology and I saw that student engagement went up really high immediately because the novelty of the experience. Mm -hmm. But then over a very short period of time, kids got bored. You know, there's only so many times you can drown in the blue river or have your <laughs> ox break a leg on the Victorian trail. And then it gets boring and you start playing the shoot up game that comes included with uh, the uh, Oregon Trail uh, software. So uh, I saw that pattern repeat itself again and again and again over the last 30 years that a new technology experience ramps up student engagement initially very high. And then over time, it always drops down. And that effect in the research literature is called the novelty effect. That is, it is a measurable and real phenomenon that the novelty of a technology experience will, will inflate engagement. And it's not authentic engagement because kids aren't necessarily authentically engaged with meaningful content or meaningful learning, but just the experience is so new uh, that they enjoy it and then it drops off. And that, that needs to change. The, the, the problem is that it hasn't changed, not only in the last 30 years, but uh, in the last 50 years. Uh, John Hattie recently wrote that the impact of technology uh, is about a, a effect size of 0.34, which is well below his metric for meaningful interventions that are desirable. Now, the thing about that, for 50 years, We've had very, very low impact of technology. If we were to scale it on a scale of one to 10, it would be about a three on a scale of one mm -hmm. to 10. Um, and think about all the changes in technology we've had since the Kennedy administration. So that needs to change. And the problem is if we continue to um, follow the advice of um, evidence-free purveyors of resources, materials, and, and tools, then we're doing a disservice uh, to ourselves and our students and our communities. If the trajectory of technology doesn't change, we can expect that same very low impact for the next 50 years. And I want to ensure that that trajectory is disrupted by using the um, highest quality research evidence available to determine pathways forward. And that's really why I wrote this book. I consolidated 30 years of, of research mm -hmm. struggling with this wicked problem to highlight reliable pathways for it and provide a, a signal to cut through all that noise. <laughs> so um, 30 years of research and, and work, you know, certainly we've been exposed to some of that other work as well, um, particularly the SAMR model, um, yeah. TPAC model, and yeah. even SAMR framework. We have shared that with our teachers through professional learning when we started first looking at, at our devices, um, really with the purpose to highlight the fact that most of what we're doing is substitution and how do we move beyond that. So talk to us a little bit about your T3 framework, which you describe as a hierarchy of how we use technology in education. Yeah, and uh, I'm building upon, you know, the work that's been done by, by previous researchers. The TPAC model that you mentioned was really kind of the first 
model that was used to help highlight the importance of technological knowledge, which was important, particularly in uh, the time when it, when it came out. I think it was 98, uh, Kohler and Mishra um, developed that. Um, so, but w it provided goals, but no pathway. How do you get there? How do you build technological knowledge? And that has been confounding. Um, a few years back, uh, Ruben Pantadera uh, did his work on uh, uh, the SAMR model, uh, which took the TPAC model and dove a little bit deeper now and, and showed that you, know, you can categorize technology use. Um, but like TPAC, SAMR offers lofty and, and laudable goals but no real way to get there. And I saw an opportunity then to share my work as uh, an, a, 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 the next logical extension. Uh, like how do you get to technological knowledge? How do you achieve higher levels? And that's what I did a, you know, a pretty extensive view, the research literature on uh, pedagogy, not technology. You know, the, the SAMR model is very tech centric. It talks about you know, the, the use of the tool, mm -hmm. but not the impact of the tool mm -hmm. on and that's where uh, there was a significant difference in the start of the T3 framework is that I wanted to look at categories of impact, not just of use. So the T3 framework is a hierarchy that increments uh, steps, strategies, domains that teachers can follow to um, gain very high levels of student achievement. And it stands for the three domains. The T3 is, a, is an acronym for translational technology use, transformational technology use, and transcendent technology use. When you think about translational technologies, let me, first of all, let me tell you a little story, because this is how I came up with the T3 framework. When I was about 14 years old, I taught myself how to play guitar. And I've been you know, an avid musician ever since. Um, and I listened to songs on the radio, listened to great music from the 70s, the Doobie Brothers, mm -hmm. uh, America, Eagles, of course, the Beatles and Rolling Stones and all these great artists that um, were playing on, on you know, new FM radio. <clears throat> and um, I would transpose what I was listening, uh, listening to on the radio on my acoustic guitar and playing those songs around campfires, get togethers, meeting friends. I was having a great time, but I, I wasn't really thinking about developing as a musician. I was just thinking about playing the same songs that I knew over and over. And then I heard Eddie Van Halen. Mm -hmm. And that disrupted my thinking about musicianship. You know, Eddie Van Halen went far above and beyond the range of experiences and expectations that I'd had with regards to music. He just changed the game entirely and disrupted how I thought about uh, playing guitar. I, I happened to hear him on a, on a radio interview in the uh, um, Philadelphia uh, area radio. And uh, the DJ asked him, do you have any advice for guitar players in Delaware Valley? And Eddie Van Halen said, yes, I do. <laughs> you might be the kind of kid that's playing uh, your acoustic guitar around a campfire. He said, that's great. If that's what you're doing, keep doing that. That's really important. But don't stop there. Don't stop there. Every great guitarist has to go through another stage. And he said, I call that stage the Chuck Berry stage. Mm -hmm. Chuck, Chuck Berry almost single-handedly invented rock and roll. And he just passed this year. And it's a real uh, loss to uh, uh, the musical world. But Chuck Berry's riffs, his licks, his phrasing, his, his songwriting created rock and roll. 
And Eddie said, you have to learn all those licks. You got to learn to play like Chuck Berry plays guitar. You have to get through that Chuck Berry stage to get to the next phase, which is when you start innovating and creating your own sound and tapping into your own natural inclination to express yourself musically using a, a voicing and tonality and musicality that's all yours. And that, that stuck with me since for the rest of my life. That, that, that interview was really meaningful because Eddie created a framework for helping me gain feedback about my progress as a musician. And prior to that framework, I would have been, you know, playing peaceful, easy feeling <laughs> for 50 years <laughs> and not really progressing mm -hmm. as, a, as a musician. In fact, I'd be deteriorating uh, because I, there would be a loss of quality, a loss of dexterity. Um, you have to keep challenging yourself and move through different levels. And that's why I developed the, the T3 framework as a three-stage hierarchy. Translational technology uses the first stage. And that's like playing a guitar around a campfire. I mean, it's good if that's what you're doing. If you're using technology to translate tasks from an analog to a digital realm, like the administrative tasks associated with budgeting or communicating or email or word processing or creating uh, slide presentations, um, those are important. But if you want to get better, if you want to move forward, you have to go through the next stage, which I call the transformational stage. And in uh, transformational technologies, I define it as the type of use that imparts a significant change in both the person doing the task and the task itself. The, in this case, talking about teaching and learning, in a learning context, a child that uses technology in a way that's transformative um, expands that child's thinking, expands their cognizance, their consciousness, their knowledge level. So they're no longer the same person after the, the task as they were before the task. They've learned something significant about themselves and about the knowledge that they're interacting and deepening and transferring to some new context. Um, so there are two stages to that. I call production and contribution. When students use technologies to produce knowledge artifacts that represent what they know, um, what they can do, declarative and procedural knowledge, and how they think about it, then they're creating something that they can review and look at um, for, for a very long time. You know, digital artifacts don't degrade over time. They don't, they don't wear out. They don't, you know, unlike my, my vinyl albums, they don't get scratched. Okay. They don't, you know, the numbers don't change over time. And so students can create an archive of knowledge artifacts that they can continue to review again and again. To take that a step further, then you know, students can use those artifacts to teach someone what they know. Students-created tutorials are a powerful strategy, a powerful process where learners consolidate their understanding of knowledge by generating and testing claims about that knowledge on the fly by creating a tutorial, for example, you know, or some, some type of expression that teaches others what they now know. And there's no limit to what that might look like with digital tools, but it provides students an opportunity to not just acquire knowledge, but to consolidate it by using that knowledge and applying it to um, elicit understanding from someone else. And that's transformational. Mm -hmm. Then the last stage I call transcendent technology use. And that's, we, we're at a stage where we have some wonderful tools that, that can be used to create new opportunities, new environments, and new ways of expressing knowledge. 
I define transcendent technology uses in addition to you know, having substantive changes on the student and the task at hand. Transcendent technology use goes above and beyond the past experiences and expectations of public education. We now have an opportunity now that we've never had before for kids to create their own learning tools and become their own map makers of learning so that they can apply uh, their understanding to wicked problems that matter to them. And therein is the first stage of transcendent technologies, inquiry design. You know, we got to stop asking kids, what do you want to be when you grow up? We, we really should expunge that question from our thinking and instead ask, what wicked problem matters to you and what are you going to do to solve it? And so applying an inquiry design process where kids first identify a problem that matters to them, then investigate it and hypothesize possible resolutions to that problem in an iterative fashion. That's inquiry design and that's science in application. That really helps kids transfer knowledge from the classroom to a real world context. Then the last stage I call social entrepreneurship where you know, new coding environments and coding tools, uh, platforms for kids to create apps, new um, experiences and platforms like blogs or wikis or uh, the sky's the limit. But instead of just creating those things, it's much better when kids do that with a purpose. The creating an app or creating some digital expression as a means of solving that wicked problem that matters to them. And that goes, that takes education to a whole new level. Mm -hmm. And that to me is uh, illustrative of a kind of a third millennial uh, education philosophy that we need to start, start developing. So, and that's it. Translational, transformational, transcendent. So the, the transcendent phase is certainly uh, in alignment with sort of what is our North Star ultimately where we'd like to get. So there's a lot of alignment in that thinking. Um, but we feel like in the, in the realm of technology and the, the various technologies that are out there, and I know it's all about how we use them, but if you look at the different kinds of apps that become popular, they seem to sort of be down in that... Uh, that bottom stage. Yeah, yeah. And and I think what makes it hard for leaders and teachers to sort of kick themselves out of that is they don't necessarily see that. Um, so they think like that's wow, great use of technology. And how do we how do we sort of kick ourselves out of that stage? What what suggestions would you give to leaders trying to move a teaching staff or, or teachers, principals, et cetera, out of that that basement stage into the next stage? What are some strategies that we could use? Yeah, thanks. Great question. Uh, you know, the first thing is, is uh, we ought not um, ascribe blame. That's the first step is, is not beat ourselves up over the fact that, you know, uh, we've been using technologies, education with a capital E, you know, the, uh, the, uh, the larger context, we've been using technologies in very low level translational ways. But just like Eddie Van Halen disrupted my world, I'm trying to disrupt the narrative of education. Say, look, if, if students are using, students and teachers are using technology in that translational level, where they're just automating tasks or having students consume media and information uh, with uh, technology. And that's the two stages of translational technologies, automation and consumption. Keep doing it, but don't stop there. If you wanna get better, there's another phase and that is uh, getting into the transformational phase. So the first thing I would suggest is get a sense of where you are. 
do some surveys, do some uh, needs uh, analysis, you know, do some observations in classrooms and get a general sense as, as, as best you can, both quantitatively and qualitatively, what is the here and now for your district? What is your current level of technology use? And be very honest about it and say, okay, great. This is where we are. Let's set some goals. And that's why I've used, I've developed the T3 framework as a guide as much as it is a description of these uh, uh, ways of using technologies. So have teachers use the scales and the self-assessment guides to establish some meaningful goals that are, that are meaningful to the teachers as well as the students. So, for example, a teacher might say, oh, you know, I, I want to move this production thing makes a lot of sense to me. I want to have kids produce, you know, digital representations of knowledge, um, but I'm just starting. So I'm at a one right now. Great. You're beginning. Set a goal. Say, I want to be like at a level two uh, where I'm, I'm developing and I'm enhancing my understanding using the rubrics that I've created uh, by January. And then by June, I want to be at level three. I want to, I'm going to achieve some type of mastery. And that sets up incremental uh, leading indicators of growth. We need, to, we need to front load our conversations, say, where do you want to be, rather than you know, take a rear view look at the end and say, okay, how did we do? You know, that, that those are lagging indicators that we, when we find at the end of a school year, at the end of a period of study, whatever that might be, and say, oh, well, did we achieve our goals? How do we do? We need to front load that with leading indicators. Um, and I would suggest using the self-assessment guides, the rubrics, and the professional growth goals in the TEETH framework to help set incremental but meaningful growth goals uh, into perpetuity continuously. Could you maybe give us an example? Could we walk a, t walk a teacher through each of the stages and how a principal or a leader could support that teacher to think about designing different sorts of learning experiences? Yeah, sure. And I think the, 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 if we move as a nation from translational technology use to transformational technology use, the, the growth is pretty remarkable. In fact, the observed effect sizes for the strategies that I've articulated as the translational and transcendent level were observed by Marzano et al. Uh, to be 1.6 effect size, which is equivalent to three, four, or more years of academic achievement in a single year. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's pretty remarkable. That's really a, a very large gain. And so, um, but we have to be cautious about that and say, you know, that doesn't mean that every time you're gonna do this, you're, you should expect four years of growth. Mm -hmm. but if that's a that's a really lofty goal, uh, and the the lowest hanging fruit is when students uh, are more mindful about their getting and receiving their own feedback about their growth goals, and that's really the first level of production: is students producing mastery goals and tracking and monitoring their own progress, their and the effort they invest, and also their affect, how they feel about it. So. For example, a teacher might say, oh, this is the first uh, strategy in the production stage. Uh, so it's in the transformational domain. The first do uh, element is uh, production. And the first strategy is for students to produce and monitor and track their own mastery learning goals. And there's a number of technology tools that, that uh, I, I show how teachers can use that and have students keep track of what the learning goal is, restating it so that it's precise, strategic and actionable, you know, and measurable. So what's the precise thing they're going to master? Uh, how are they going to master it? And how are they going to know that they master it? And then keep track of that using a digital tool set. A teacher might say, I'm not doing this I'm, uh, yet, but I want to. 
So I'm at a one, I'm beginning. I'm not yet nearing agile adaptive use of technologies to support students maintaining and, and keeping track of their own progress towards our goals. But I want to get it be a three. I want to be mastering this goal by the end of this year. So then they would use the tools in, um, in the book to set a goal, to get resources, to provide, get uh, help and uh, assistance in using the technology and have kids track their progress. That's the, that's the first step. I think that's the lowest hanging fruit. The, the research is really abundantly clear. The, the greater the quality and quantity of feedback that students get about what the learning goal is with clarity, their proximity to that learning goal, and the strategies that they need to apply in order to achieve that goal uh, yield a tremendous acceleration in um, student learning and also their motivation to continue to challenge themselves. And that helps to develop what I call a mastery mindset, you know, really developing in students, uh, not just a growth mindset, but a mindset for continuous mastery of knowledge uh, and tracking that and archiving their artifacts using technologies. So that, that'd be the first step that I would encourage uh, uh, leaders to think about with their staff is to set a meaningful initial goal provide the resources and uh, guidance to achieve that goal, continuously measure the progress, and then at the end of a period of time, then say, okay, well, how close did we get at achieving our goal and what was the impact on student learning? I think the, the framework is is certainly accessible for educators and, and we can access your book and, and learn about it in a little bit more detail. How sustainable do you think it's gonna be into the future when we're talking about things like artificial intelligence and virtual reality and how is how is it going to hold up through those kinds of shifts which nobody has a crystal ball so nobody really knows um what 2030 when our kindergartners entering school this year are going to graduate is going to be like so what are your thoughts there yeah um if we don't disrupt the current um, tell and practice model of instruction then new and emerging technologies i'm going to make a prediction here on this podcast <laughs> new and emerging technologies <laughs> Uh, will have a minimal effect on student achievement, about a 0.34 effect size. I think Hattie's effect size, he, he studied over, he looked at over 10,000 studies and uh, John Hattie is uh, you know, masterful at uh, doing a meta-analysis. So his um, finding of a 0.34 effect size is, we can have real confidence that that's, that's an accurate number. Um, and if we don't, uh, and the reason I think is that most of those technologies that were used uh, support a tell and practice model of instruction. It's surface learning and then having kids practice that surface learning. That needs to change. And what Hattie and my friend and uh, co-author of my previous book, Robert Marzano said, is that we need to have kids not just do surface learning and deep learning, but transfer that learning to new contexts to generate and test hypotheses about new uh, knowledge that they've acquired and apply it in a meaningful way that consolidates that knowledge. So with new technologies, my fear is that virtual realities, artificial intelligences are going to continue to be used to support a tell and practice model of instruction. And I want to disrupt that thinking. Mm -hmm. I want to disrupt that because uh, having virtual worksheets, you know, virtual VR worksheets that are just sort of drill and kill. And isolated. In, in, in isolation, in, you know, in, in uh, not in, in collaboration, not mm -hmm. there's no contribution. It's just, you know, pumping information in using digital headsets. Uh, that to me, 
uh, is is um, inadequate and will yield about a 0.34 effect size. But shifting the use of technology so students are inquiring, developing uh, their uh, ability to hypothesize, do, do thought experiments, test actual experiments, do you know systematic observation and apply that knowledge to solve a wicked problem that matters to them, that changes how the technology is used. So it has less to do with the technology and more to do with how it's used to support deeper learning and the transfer of that learning and knowledge to applying it to solve wicked problems that matter to kids. Mm -hmm. And your framework helps draw us back to that, I think. Yeah. And, uh, we're, we're right there with you mm -hmm. on let's disrupt this, uh, this conversation and this, this sort of paradigm or frame mm -hmm. that we currently think about education in. So, uh, Definitely recommend to our listeners to check out Sonny's book and uh, really dig into that T3 framework and use it to help you disrupt and transform uh, your institution and your work. So to wrap this up, what's next for Sonny? What are you currently working on that you'd like to share? Uh, well, you know, um, a couple of things. The first is that uh, this work is, is, is um, taken off and people are, are really resonating with, which makes me feel really good because, you know, when I, as soon as I tell people about the framework, they start categorizing, sorry, categorizing their own technologies. Like, oh, I'm been, I've been in translational and I need to move to transformational. So there's a sort of a, a, a very quick um, connection. Yeah, connection. Yeah. And so now I'm focused on um, helping whole systems integrate the T3 framework uh, and measure the impact. So over time, and this will take many years, but I'll, I would like to be able to generate enough data that I can say, okay, this is the effect size that you can expect when students are engaged in production, as I define it. The, this is the effect size for contribution, for inquiry design and for social entrepreneurship. So I'm uh, working with a number of uh, school districts that want to push forward and transcend the bounds of, of uh, tyrannical low impact technology use. Um, but I'm also working on another book. Um, and uh, to that idea of transcendent learning, uh, the, the working title is called Transcendent Learning mm -hmm. and uh, helping uh, students uh, develop a mastery mindset to be more mindful and uh, thinking about contribution. So mindfulness, mastery mindset, and contribution in the process of, of learning. So the kids realize that learning isn't an end to, to itself. It's a means to a larger end. It's a means to making a, a, a greater contribution uh, to uh, the welfare of the planet and its people and that they can make a meaningful contribution. So that's what I'm working on now. So look for that uh, soon. Exciting. Thanks for sharing. Looking forward to that. So for our listeners, you know, thank you to Sunny for joining us. And if you would like to learn more about Sunny's work, we linked a few items in the show notes. Sunny's site, maganiaeducation.com. Also, there's a great video that gives a quick overview of the T3 framework, which we linked. And finally, a link to his book, which um, has many resources and um, graphic organizers and self-evaluations and reflections that can really help you move the conversation forward within yourself reflectively and also in your organization. Each episode, we leave you with a question or two to think about with the idea of provoking conversation. This episode's questions, how can you use the T3 framework to elevate the technology conversation in your school or district? And how can you redesign a learning experience that requires learners to use technology at the higher levels?
If you've enjoyed today's episode, would like to comment or just connect with more resources that we shared here, check out the show notes at tltalkradio.org and look for season four, episode nine. That's all for now. We'll be back soon featuring another innovative thought leader. Thanks again, Sonny. Thank you, Randy. Thank you, Lynn. Cheers. Bye-bye. to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, and improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com forward slash BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all of these goals. That's IXL.com forward slash BE.